Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. That's what we're talking about today. So I've, I've got to do the text justice to remind you that this Philippians text that we're walking through actually is Philippians 4. You really have to look at it from verse 4 all the way to verse 9 because the two passages are connected together. And I struggled with the title for this. I struggled with what we're actually talking about because it talks about peace, but it also is really how you walk with God. It's the practical steps of how you walk with God. Another great title would be the imperatives of Philippians because there are like six imperatives here that really talk to us about how to have a deep walk with God, how to be mature in our faith. So you wanna grow in your faith, you wanna mature in godliness, you wanna walk with God in the right way, these imperatives, and I'm going to go back and refresh what we looked at on Monday, and then we're going to pull forward and we're going to talk about two of the imperatives today, one of them, which is just crucial, that I'm excited to spend a little bit of time talking about and thinking about, but let me, let me remind you that this passage ultimately talks about the peace of God and the God of peace. So if you look at verse 7, it says at the, in verse 7, there at the very end, the peace of God. So if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with any number of things, then it tells us what to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's an imperative. We rejoice in the Lord no matter what's happened. We let our reasonableness be known to all people for the Lord is at hand. And then with being anxious and nothing through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known to God and the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now notice that the end of that, the peace of God is gonna guard our hearts all of our emotions, all of our will, the center of our being and our minds. So now in this process of thinking through this, it's the mind that's gonna be guarded. So Paul writing then transitions in verse eight to a verse where he's gonna give us a list of a lot of different things. And at the end comes the imperative, think on these things. So you see his train of thought here. The peace of God is gonna guard your mind. How do we guard our mind from our perspective, even as the God of peace is going to be with us, we think on certain things. We dwell deeply on certain things. And so the thought process of the peace of God guarding our minds, think on these things, we're coming back to that. And then after we think on these things, we put them into practice. We practice the things that we've learned, that we've received, that we have heard, and that we have seen. And then the God of peace will be with us. Now, if God is the God of peace, and the devil is the opposite of everything God is, then the devil is the God of chaos, confusion, anxiety. So we as followers of Christ, we as those, and it says it's gonna guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that's important. Those of us who are then in Christ Jesus, we are no longer in Adam, we are no longer under the curse of Adam, we have repented of our sins, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his righteousness has been imputed to us, God has seized us now through Christ Jesus so that we have been reconciled in peace to our creator, even though we rebelled against him, even though we were in hostility against him, now through Christ's righteousness we are at peace with our creator. So at peace in Christ Jesus now we are different. And we recognize with strategic emphasis and focus that the devil is the father of lies, chaos, confusion, anxiety. So when we experience those things, what are we experiencing? There's a spiritual warfare going on here. God is a God of peace. He's a God of love. He's a God of truth. There is a cosmic battle for your soul, for your heart, for your mind. And the devil doesn't want you to be productive for God. He wants you to be mired up in chaos and confusion and anxiety and doubt. 
And if he can make you worthless for the kingdom of God because you doubt everything and you're not even sure if there is universal truth, he's accomplished a purpose he's happy with. And I wanna say to you this morning, this text, along with a host of others, tells us that we can know truth. We can think on these things and we can experience a peace of God that this text says surpasses all understanding. Humanity can't explain it. But there's a God of peace that can grant you peace in the midst of utter chaos. So our main idea this morning, same main idea we had on Monday when we walked through the first part of this, is that we can experience peace despite our circumstances. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. We can still have peace. We're in the middle of a spring semester where we have, is it three weeks now? Is that right? Is it three weeks till we have graduation? That can't be right. It's the ninth. It is. It's three weeks. Any seniors in the house? Can, can we give it up for our seniors in the house? Yeah. Three weeks to go. I don't know if I like that or not. I'm kind of partly excited for you all and then partly sad because we don't like seeing you go, but I guess it's see you later, not see you never, so it's okay. We'll live with it. Yeah, I don't like it. This is a sad season for me. So we're in the middle of this anxiety, right? Finals coming up, tests, assignments due. Anybody feel the anxiety? All right, here's your text. Here's your passage. Let's walk through it. I'm going to give you the imperatives and then we'll read it together. All right, here are the imperatives. They're on the screen for you. So you can call this the imperatives. You can call this steps to peace with God. You can call this discipleship 101. You can call this whatever you want to call it. It's how to be a mature believer. It's how do I walk with God? What are the fundamentals of the faith that I need to begin putting into practice so that every day I wake up and I say, I'm going to do all of these things. And I do them so long that it becomes second nature so that this just happens in my life. And then if something's messing up, I go back and look and I say, all right, I need to go back and do these things again. doesn't matter what's happening. You rejoice in the Lord. It says always. And then again, he repeats it. I say rejoice. He does it in chapter three, verse one, two, rejoice in the Lord. So repetition is important. We underline, we star, we highlight. Rejoice in the Lord. Be reasonable. Reasonable, translated as gentle in some other versions with all people for the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is close. The Lord is soon coming. Do not be anxious. Anxiety kicks in. We get anxious. Why are we anxious? We're not in control anyway. God's in control. Our theology takes over. Lord, I'm anxious about this, but I shouldn't be because you're a good God and you're in control and you're sovereign and you're over it all and I'm just your servant. All I have to do every morning is get up and say, Lord, let me serve you well today. Let me love others well today. And every day I walk with God in that way as his servant of the most high king who's in charge of everything. I go to bed at night and I don't worry about it because God's in control. I can't control it anyway. I have no power to do that. We go back to the Sermon on the Mount. I don't worry about what I eat. God feeds the birds of the air. I don't worry about what I wear. He clothes the lilies of the valleys. I can't add one cubit to my lifespan. I can't add one minute. I can't add one day. God's in control of it all anyway. So that's freeing to me as a believer. I don't have to control it all. I just wake up every morning and serve Jesus. Lord, help me this morning to serve you well. Freeing. So, all right, I'm still anxious. Great. In everything with prayer, coming in worshipful attitude, and supplication, praying for others as well, with thanksgiving, don't forget about being a thankful person for all God has given us. Let your request, your specific request, be made known to God. 
And there's a peace that surpasses all understanding that's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Then today, think deeply about all that is good. There's six whatever is, and then there's two catchphrases at the bottom of it that refer back to all of this. We're going to walk through those. Generally, think on these things. That's the imperative. So think deeply about all that is good. Christians are not called to check their mind at the door. We have the truth. We have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can ask hard questions and search for truth and have answers and present those answers as deep thinking men and women of God. So think deeply. Don't go through life casually thinking with shallow thoughts your entire life. Think deeply. And then we learn all of this stuff to put it into action. I hate the word practice. I don't say the word practice right. I say it with like a nasally thing and people make fun of me and it's all good, but it's in the text. So I have to be faithful to the text. Otherwise I would have changed that word and we wouldn't say practice because you practice. You kinda, you, you're going to hear it the whole time. Like, I don't know how or why it's the way God made me, but practice. You're going to remember it now. That's the only reason I did that, right? Self-humiliation for your memory and your benefit. I love you that much. Practice. Practice these things. You're going to laugh the whole day and I'm going to get, it's fine, whatever. If you will practice these things, I don't care if you laugh at me about the word practice. Why does he say practice these things? We get them. We, all this knowledge. I know all these things. I've got all these boxes. I check, but I don't live it out. No. Come on, that's like, it's like doing your math but not checking your work or showing your work. I got the answer. How'd you get the answer? Show me. It's like walking through the fundamentals of how you're going to start an IV, but then you just don't do it right. And so your nursing faculty members are, no, 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 no. You got to do it. If you don't do it, this is why we do tests. It's okay. It's okay, Mr. Professor. It's, it's okay, Dr. So-and-so. I've read the book. I've got it. Show me. Put what you have learned into practice. Show me. You see what I'm saying here, right? This is the spiritual life too. We're going to come to that one as the last one. Practice what you have learned, seen, heard, received through good mentors. Okay. We have started our introduction. Let me read our text. I'm going to read from verses four on. If you can stand in honor of the reading of God's word, would you stand with me? If you can't stand, you can remain seated. That's fine. Chapter four, verse four, reading through verse nine. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's our text for today. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. 
and the God of peace will be with you. Lord, help me to be faithful to the text this morning. Help your word to speak to us. Help your spirit to convict us and help Jesus to be glorified. In his name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. All right, first point, think deeply about all that is truly good. Think deeply about all that is truly good. That's your first point. So what's truly good? Well, he gives us a list. So let's just walk down through the list. Whatever is true. That's the first. You can underline it. You can take notes. You can start. You can do whatever you want. But whatever is true, that's what we're to think deeply about. Now, think about this for just a moment. When you think about whatever is true, that requires us to, first of all, believe in truth, and it requires us to search for truth. So your first main point, think deeply about all that is good. Under that, you're going to think about truth. Is there truth? This is what's scary. Here's the stats on this. 58% of American adults reject absolute moral truth. 58%. Oh yeah, but that's those crazy Americans. That's not in the church. Of those, this is a Barna survey. Of those who go to an evangelical, I put the quotes around it, you understand how you define evangelical matters, but to those who go to an evangelical church, so these are attenders of evangelical churches, what do you think the percentage is? 46% of those who go to an evangelical church question whether there is truth. Absolute, moral, universal truth. 46% question it. Now let's back up for just a second. If we're gonna think on these things, why is it that we have to think about things like truth? Why is it we think about this? I flash back to a Facebook uh, study that they did. Nobody knew they were doing this study. It was a Facebook study that happened in like 2012. It came out in 2014. It was 689,003 users that Facebook actually controlled their feed to put only positive feeds or negative feeds in front of them to see then what the users would actually post. And what it showed is if you looked at positive feeds, you were more likely to put a positive post. If you looked at only negative feeds, you were more likely to put a negative post. And the results of the study, oh, I've got it written down here. I've got to quote it to you. The results of the study by Adam Kramer, quote, when positive expression were reduced, people produced fewer positive posts, more negative posts. When negative expressions were reduced, the opposite pattern occurred. Think about that. If you go to your social media and all you see is positive, 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 you're a more positive person. If you go to negative, 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 you're a more negative person. Now that's what Facebook says. Facebook is not authoritative, infallible, inerrant, or sufficient, all right? It's not our guide. But what the word of God says is it says, think on these things. Why do we think on these things? Because the more we think about the negative, the more we think about the hostile, the more we put that into our brains, the more that is what comes out in our actions. When we think about the things that are true, that are noble, that that are good, that are pure, that are holy, that are right. The more we put that into our brains, the more things come out that are good and positive and right. So we think about things that are true. Is there truth? Oh, I just wish we could all get this. All right, this, read the Gospel of John. You don't have time to read the Gospel of John right now. So I've done the work for you. Here we go. Are you ready for this? John chapter eight, verse 32. You can go back and read it later. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right after that, what happens? 
John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the devil is the father of lies in the garden, tempting Adam and Eve, saying, did God really say so that we would rebel against our creator, who is the father of truth and the author of truth, and the one who doesn't change is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever. And so the devil there is full of lies. Oh, but let's see what else it says about truth. John 14, 6, we jump forward a little ways. Jesus says, you know this verse, I am the way, the, oh, wait a second. Jesus is the truth. There is no universal truth. This is an assault on a biblical worldview. Do you see what the devil is doing here? If I can assault truth and Jesus is the truth and there is no truth, then I can do away with the claims of Jesus. This is not some flippant attitude. This is the gospel. This is a biblical worldview. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father without the universal truth that Jesus is the only way. I believe in truth. You can too. Universal truth. What about what so-and-so university says somewhere? We're all a bunch of idiots. God's word is truth. The flowers will fade, the grass will go away, but God's word will stand forever. So what does God's word say? Let's keep going. John 16, Oh, but when the spirit of truth, it's not an accident. The spirit of truth is gonna come. And what's that spirit of truth gonna do? He will guide you into all truth. Do you get the point here of what John is doing? John 17, 17, your word is truth. So then the book's coming to a climax. It's getting to the point where Jesus is standing before Pilate. And when Jesus is standing before Pilate, he says, are you the son of God? And Jesus says to Pilate, I came into this world to testify to the truth. Jesus, don't miss this. Jesus came into this world to testify to the truth. A biblical worldview. There's all these different worldviews out there. Okay, let's, we're kind, we're nice. We talk about all these different worldviews. There's one way to rightly view the world and that's a biblical worldview and all the rest of them are wrong ways to view the world. There are different worldviews, but there's one true way to view the world and it's through the biblical lens. God created, we fell, God redeemed. He's coming again to judge and redeem it all. That's the world we live in. It explains the chaos. Jesus says, I'm here to testify to the truth. What does Pilate say? You remember? Pilate says, verse 38 of chapter 18, what is truth? Moral relativism. What is truth? It's right there. What happens at just about every secular university across the country on a daily basis in philosophy classrooms and other classrooms? What is truth? And they have no answer. It's whatever you want it to be. I've got my truth, you've got your truth, make up your own truth. We've got three truths for one fact. You can't have competing truths. Oh, but there is no universal truth. Self-defeating argument. If there is no universal truth, that is a universal truth, and so your circular argument just defeated itself in your own foolishness. Now practice that for a while. Truth, do you understand and get how freeing this is? 
We don't have to wonder. We don't have to go through life struggling. We don't have to go through life saying, well, your truth is your truth for you and my truth is my truth for me and everybody has these truths and I can't tell anybody anything and I don't know what to believe because there's something. No, there's truth. And Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate sent over there going, what is truth? What truth is standing in front of you? You will never have a firm walk with God if you were not convinced that God's word is truth. And if you are convinced that God's word is truth, then every morning you're gonna wanna get up. No Bible, no breakfast. Every morning you're gonna wanna get up. You say, I can't do it in the morning, do it in the evening. I get it, it's okay to do your quiet time any time of day, but no Bible, no breakfast. Get up in the morning. I'm so sinful, I have to do it every morning. I do it every morning, even before I preach. I read my Bible this morning. Read your Bible. In fact, I just this morning, just finished reading through John. You get to the end of the book of John, what does John say? He says, I know these things. I saw these things. I witnessed these things. I write these things so that you can believe. And there's much more that happened. And if you recorded it all, all the books in the world could not contain the whole of what he has done. There is truth. Oh, I wish I could emphasize this more. I wish I could do it better. Two final thoughts and then I gotta move on. We'll fly through the rest of this. Don't worry about time. Truth. Proverbs tells us, buy truth and don't sell it. It's more valuable than gold. I wanna be rich. Friend, you can be rich right now because you can have truth. And truth is more valuable than gold. The peace of God and the God of peace is right here. Read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, live it. It's truth. Ephesians 6, we're putting on the armor of God. What do we do? We take up the belt of what? Truth. That's the armor of God. All right, I gotta move on. I got some other applications. We're gonna go through this. We'll go through this quickly. All right, so what's next? Honorable. Honorable is translated dignified in 1 Timothy 3.8, 1 Timothy 3.11, and also Titus 2.2. If you're looking at the New King James Version or the NIV Version, it's translated as noble. So noble, dignified, honorable. We think on things that are honorable, things that are good, things that are noble, things that are dignified. That's what we're gonna focus on. We think about things that are just. What does just mean? Righteous before God. Can we be righteous before God? Nope. Not without the righteousness of Christ being imputed to us, for he is the just and the justifier of our faith. So through our faith, we think about Christ, who is the just one. We live out Micah 6, 8. We look to do justice, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with our God. We think about those things that are honorable, those things that are just. We think about those things that are pure, what does it mean to think about things that are pure, things that are morally blameless, things that have moral purity? If we put into our minds the slut and the filth of this world, we think more about those things, we struggle more with those temptations. So we, not as legalistic people, but as wise people, guard what we put into our minds, what we think about, what we think deeply about. We think about things that are good, the things that are morally pure, the things that are just, the things that are lovely. What is lovely? 
causing pleasure or delight, you look at a sunset or sunrise that God paints in the sky. You look at a painting or a sculpture or creation. You look at a movie. You look at a video. You look at a photograph. You look at these things and they're lovely and they bring delight to you and that's good and that's God glorifying. And even noticing what this verse says, we think on these things, thinking deeply about hard things is God glorifying. It's using the gifts God has given us to think well and to think deeply to honor him. Pure, lovely, commendable, of good report, not likely to be, to offend. So here are your six, two catchphrases underneath this. If there's any excellence, you think about it. If there's anything worthy of praise, you think about it. So what's your command? Think about these things. Now think about that. If I'm gonna think about all these things, what does that mean? It means I live a life that is strategic and intentional, that is a life that is God glorifying because I think deeply about the things that are happening. It means that I don't play checkers, I play chess. Instead of one move, I'm thinking three moves. I'm thinking about who I am and how fallen I am and how I wanna live a life that serves God well. And so in order to do that, I need to think about the things that are good, which means I need to read my Bible, I need to meditate on scripture, I need to memorize scripture, I need to surround myself in a community of believers called a local church or here at Cedarville, you've got it all around you. I need to make sure I have good friends pushing me in the same direction, but I'm gonna be strategic and intentional in what I do and how I spend my time and what I ingest and the things that I watch and the things that I listen to and all the things that I see because I want to think about the good things because the good things, thinking about them, putting it in is going to help me to have good things coming out. My affections are going to be shifted more toward Christ. This is the mature spiritual life. If you think about this in nutrition, it means I don't eat Smarties all the time. I love Smarties, but I don't eat Smarties all the time. It's junk. I mean, it's sugar. It's horrible for me. I'm still fallen and sinful and I get it. And I still like them and I still eat them. I ate some last night. <laughs> you are what you eat and you'd be smarter for this morning. So yeah, whatever. All right, think about these things. I don't have enough time. Okay, one point of application, two points. One for you personally, strategic, intentional thinking of how you live your life. Think deeply about the things God wants you to think about. My life is a train wreck. I have all this anxiety. I don't understand. What are you thinking about? I listen to 21 pilots, 24 hours a day. Okay, I like 21 pilots. I listen to 21 pilots, but 21 pilots music is depressing. It's all about anxiety and suicide and anxiousness. It's just depressing. Like if that's all you do, then get some praise and worship in your ears. Come on, what are you thinking about? I'm depressed. Of course you are. (laughs) If you like it, okay, listen to it for a little bit, but then recognize, wait a second, I just listened to an hour of that while I was working out because today I like the beat. I wanted to do that. I better get some good stuff going on in my head or otherwise I'm going to be a wreck. Think. You got this. You're smart people. You're smarter than I am. Think deeply about the good things personally, institutionally. As a university, this is your faculty member's job 
to take that biblical worldview and that truth that exists and to take the discipline that they know best and to say there are certain things that don't fit with a biblical worldview and we don't do those at Cedarville. We'll teach you about them, but we'll teach you why they're wrong. And then to teach you the things that fit with a biblical worldview and to teach you the things we can redeem and to teach you the things we have to reject so that when you walk out and go to graduate school or serve in that field, you understand these things fit, these things don't. It's our job. We want to do that well. Be prepared. All access. We've got a bunch of you here. I don't even think I welcomed you guys. We've got a bunch of people here for all access. Would you welcome them all? I apologize. I was too excited about our text in truth. I forgot all about doing that. That's, I feel bad now. I need to practice hospitality more, I guess. All right. All things may be allowable. They may not be profitable. Be wise. All right, let's move to point number two. We're going to go quickly, I promise. Point number two, practice what you have learned and witnessed from godly mentors. It's my way of trying to explain the text and to say, what's the point of the text? Because it's a little awkward to say what you have learned and received and heard and seen. You practice these things. So what you see from godly mentors, what you see from godly people, what you see from those who are spiritually mature, practice those things. All of the things that we've seen above, practice it. This is a summary of the letter, live it out. All the things that you've received, live it out. And the God of peace will be with you. He's a God of peace. You're a follower of Christ, You shouldn't live in chaos. You shouldn't live in a world of of constant anxiety and depression and stress and hurt because we have the God of peace who grants the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds. Romans 6, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Galatians 5, 22 says peace is a fruit of the spirit. So what's your conclusion? I'm just going to jump right to the conclusion. Learn to walk with God by focusing on him. Listen, I can't do this for you. I can get up every morning and read my Bible and it does you absolutely no good. I cannot emphasize to you enough how you need to spend time in the word of God, not to check a box, but to learn more about God, to readjust your affections towards God, to understand theology, understand who you are, why you're here, who he is, what he has done for us, to change your entire perspective of thinking. Learn to walk with God, all of these imperatives. Focusing on him, discipline your thoughts to remain on the truly good things. You see that in our text today? And then humbly, practice what you see mature believers doing. Practice the things that are in the word, that are in the text. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for my children. This is what I want for all of us, is that we would learn to walk with God by focusing on him, disciplining our thoughts to remain on the truly good things of this world. And there are so many good things for us to think about. We can enjoy so much in this world, thinking about the good things, humbly practicing, walking before God, humbly, doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God, practicing what we see mature believers doing, what we see Paul doing, what we see in the word, and living a life that is so much fun, that has so much joy, that has so much peace. All right, so what are the imperatives? Let me remind you of them. The imperatives, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, it doesn't matter how bad your life is. If you are a follower of Christ and you are in Christ, this is the worst hell you will ever experience. Think about that. Think about that. You don't know what I'm going through. This is the worst hell you will ever experience if you are a follower of Christ. Because when you die, you go to be with Jesus. You don't go to the place of torment and punishment. This is as bad as it gets. If this is as bad as it gets and Jesus is coming to make it all new, I can rejoice in the Lord always and that I have salvation through a father who loves me and who is coming again to make all things new and all things right. Rejoice in the Lord. Be reasonable with people on your social media and everywhere else. Whether you love masks, whether you hate masks, whether you believe COVID's fake, whether you believe it's real, whatever you, oh oh gosh, I'm ready for this year to be over. Be reasonable with all people. Don't be anxious. It's okay. God's got it. You're not in control and he is. And that's a good thing for all of us. <laughs> good thing I'm not in control either. He is. Let your request be made known to God. Talk to him about it. Just like he's your best friend. He's your best counselor. He's your best mentor. Think deeply about all that is good. Practice the things that you've seen. All right. I want to I end with just these couple of thoughts. The devil is the father of lies. When those lies come into your head, speak truth from the word of God to yourself. You don't belong here. Yes, you do. I'm not worth anything. Yes, you are. Nobody loves me. Yes, God does. There are other people too, but nobody loves you like God loves you. All the lies of the devil. I will never be able to do anything. Look at who God used in the Bible to do all sorts of amazing things. He used a bunch of messed up people just like us to do incredible things. You can't do it in and of yourself, but you serve a God that can do anything. And that's so freeing. Speak truth to yourself. How do I know what to speak to myself? No Bible, no breakfast. We're right back to it. That's why we have a Bible minor. It's why we walk through the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's why we do Theo 1 and Theo 2. Take those classes, dig deeply, think about those things deeply, speak truth to yourself. And then what's gonna happen? It's where we get back to the main idea of our text. Chaos around us. Don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Don't know if our leaders are good or bad. Yeah, we're right where Paul was when he wrote the book. In jail. Don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Caesar calls himself Lord. And what does Paul say? Peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's yours. In Christ Jesus. Through the God of peace. Live out these imperatives. Think deeply about the good things. Love the Lord. Set your affections on him and have more fun in life than anybody could possibly imagine serving him and loving others in Christian community together. Whether that's at a play tonight or having a color war, whatever that is, or talking about evangelism tomorrow or cheering tennis on. You know joy if you know Jesus. God, we are so bad at this. Every day, we have to remind ourselves. And Lord, we pray and we see that in maturity, it gets easier along the journey. 
So Lord, help us today and tomorrow and the next day to take a long walk in the same direction with you, learning to walk with our God humbly so that we can live a mature life that pleases you and serves you well. God, you are a good God. You love us. You want what's best for us. May we truly recognize that you are truth and may we live in that truth for our joy and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.